Hello and welcome to another edition of Trinity College Dublin Talks. Uh, today's guest is Aloja Smolik, uh, who is a professor at the SFI Science Foundation Ireland, research professor of creative technologies here at Trinity College. I'm Tom Malloy. Welcome, welcome, Aloja. Hello. Hello, welcome. Now, this is this is a slightly unusual podcast. We're, we're talking as the coronavirus uh, continues to shut down most ordinary operations right across uh, Europe, right across the world, indeed. And we're also talking uh, the day after Bloomsday, um, a day that's kind of celebrated in, in Dublin uh, because it, it celebrates James Joyce's novel Ulysses. And the reason I, I mention this is because we've recorded this conversation, like so many conversations nowadays, it's not unlike the other podcasts we've done face to face. And that's a reflection of the the limitations imposed upon us by the coronavirus. And and Bloomsday is relevant because of the, the work that Alosha does. And, and briefly, uh, Alosha, you have a company called Volagrams and you, you have uh, uh, built or created, I'm not sure quite what the right word is, some amazing uh, volagrams here in Trinity. You've done one of, uh, you've done a Beckett play. Uh, you've done Dean Swift, uh, the author of Gulliver's Travels, the, the president of the university, Provost Patrick Prendergast gave a speech using one of your volagrams. And uh, indeed, yesterday on Bloomsday, you, you created one to celebrate the novel Ulysses, uh, which which kind of centers around the Martello Tower where, where the novel kind of begins. How can you best describe what a volagram is, Lucian? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, a, a good metaphor for that is maybe what, what many people know is the, one of the scenes uh, from the movie Star Wars, where Princess Leia appears as a hologram and uh, asks Obi-Wan Kenobi for help. Uh, so when R2-D2 projects a three-dimensional image of uh, a person into uh, the reality into the real world into the space and uh, this type of a communication takes place between princess leia and uh, and obi-wan kenobi and the other people around so we took uh, already well myself as a researcher 20 years ago very much inspiration from from this particular idea to be able to capture a three-dimensional representation of a human performing something, right? And uh, then being able to visualize that in an immersive way. Uh, and, and then also being able to interact with that contact as if it would be naturally inside the real world. So I've been researching on that for many years and made a number of scientific contributions. And uh, only recently, uh, things got together uh, such that uh, this now becomes really relevant for broader audiences, partially because a lot of the hardware is now mature enough. So virtual reality and augmented reality headsets become available and uh, affordable. And on the other hand, uh, technology for content creation, which, which we are developing, um, uh, becomes mature enough to create content of uh, appealing visual quality. Uh, so and uh, so that's why right now uh, we are in the in the position to to think about um, having this available. What would be uh, the stories or uh, application scenarios that we could cover with that? And uh, so we come up with a couple of these examples that you mentioned, including Joyce and Beckett uh, and and Swift. Uh, uh, some of the, 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 the heroes in, in Irish culture. 
and created immersive interactive visualizations that people can then enjoy. And uh, at the same time, we also create or we, we develop uh, the, the storytelling around that, which is actually new and uh, in, in close collaboration also with, with other departments of, uh, of, of Trinity. In, 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 in matters technological, it always seems to me that there are two interesting questions. There's a how and there's the why. Uh, and by the way, I would just urge anyone listening to this to, to Google, say, Trinity College Dublin holograms, because the, the quality of these things are really quite incredible. You know, if you take the one of the Provost, which is on YouTube, it's a full-size model. And, and really, if, if you looked at it casually, you wouldn't know that this wasn't a real person. Uh, talking, it's it's quite extraordinary. Let's let's talk about the the why first, and and you were touching on it there. You know, why would one why would one do this? Um, and and you, you know, it's 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 really to tell stories, isn't it? What, yeah, so, what are the practical applications do you think in the future that that uh, this will bring? Uh, yeah, I think there's a number of application fields, and I can I can say. Say a few examples. No? So, uh, of course, uh, storytelling, creating, uh, it, it's in the first place, it's a new form of, of media, which is immersive. So you can really feel to be inside the story. Um, and uh, as such, it opens new ways of, uh, of drama, new ways of film. No? So you can be inside the drama, which is what we did with the, with the Beckett example. You can experience uh, other places where you cannot be physically. No? So you can do uh, cultural heritage examples, which we did an example with, uh, with the Trinity Library, where you can meet a historic figure like Jonathan Swift and have, a, have an interaction uh, with him. You can also think of education. No? So maybe the, the provost example is something where uh, a lecturer could, uh, in an immersive three-dimensional space, um, uh, do teaching uh, and uh, and taking it further also communication so uh, in the same way that we are communicating now over uh, a telephone line or a, a, a virtual conference you can also like in the Princess Leia example uh, phone with people in, in a three-dimensional representation so there are really a number of application scenarios and uh, after developing the technology, we are now very actively um, exploring these different uh, examples in these uh, creative experiments uh, that you mentioned. But how, how might that work? Say in 20 years' time, instead of uh, watching the news on TV in the evening uh, or on the Internet, could it be that in your sitting room uh, you, would, you would see kind of the newsreader sitting in front of you and, and maybe, you know, when it talks about a, a war in a far-off country, the people would actually be fighting kind of on your table or or is that just totally science fiction because it, i mean what you've done already sounds incredibly like science fiction it's it's one of the the, the 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 best examples i can think of of something that seemed impossible 20 years ago is now happening yeah so yes you can imagine such things uh, that you just mentioned uh, i would say maybe news is is a more difficult example as it has to be very real time and very timely um, the technology at this point is not yet so close to, to real time. It is more something that is uh, comparable with film production, maybe, or theater, where you produce something in a, in a certain process from capture to post-production and then to making the, uh, the piece available and that can then be consumed. Um, but in, 
as the, the technology evolves, also things like uh, teleporting you into uh, a, a certain uh, place in the world where the, the news takes place, that's that's possible. And there's also others, so the in a, a simpler form of this technology using 360 visualization is what is actually already widely used in documentary and also by by the New York Times and, and similar uh, uh, news channels who are exploring this uh, immerse the, the idea of immersion into remote scenes and environments for news. Yeah. Virtual, you, you, you're, you're a professor of creative technologies and indeed you're, in a previous life you worked for Disney and, and kind of contributed a lot to, to many, many of Disney's operations. Um, you know, will this, do you think, actually change the way we tell stories? Is it, is it that fundamental or is it just a new way of telling old stories? No, I mean, it, it opens uh, another medium. I would say it's really a, a new type of medium that we mm. didn't didn't know so far. Um, it won't replace the others, so we will still be reading books and we will still be watching normal television and cinema. So it's it, it's an addition uh, um, because a book can be equally immersive, or sitting by the bonfire and listening to a story can also be immersive in, in, mm. in a different level. But it it uh, creates completely new ways of storytelling and. Uh, this is something that we are very actively exploring with our creative partners. So we have a couple of external creative partners, but also people in the uh, Department of Drama, Department of Music and Department of English that we collaborate with, where we get together with these creative people and let them explore and design stories that could only be told in, in this type of medium. It gets uh, uh, the the mechanisms that are used there are sometimes often like gaming, right? So where you you enter a virtual world in a game and you are exploring it, you have interactivity, you have immersion. These elements are also in here, just that now it is the real world that we want to recreate. So there's a lot of uh, this the storytelling is similar to to gaming. You know? And, and these are things that we are exploring. As the technology is brand new, nobody did such things so far. And we we have a number of um, dedicated pieces also. Um, one is called Bridging the Blue, where we got together with uh, uh, an artist from the UK, where you can experience uh, um, uh, clinical depression. So that there is something and the with a number of episodes uh, where you meet such volumetric video and holograms, you are guided in an interactive, immersive way through a story that tells something in a, in a very close, very immersive way, uh, making it really closer to the to the heart, maybe. And so that's one example. And and we have a, a couple of others also uh, currently being produced where we explore how this new medium can be used and. And equally as the technology is a research, this creative research is uh, absolutely pioneering. I hate to be to strike a, a negative note, but it does strike me as I, I listen to you that that we've seen quite a few ne new technologies. You mentioned gaming. Uh, another one is, of course, social media. And they have a kind of a, a mixed uh, a mixed record, don't they? And on the one hand, they've brought a lot of joy and a lot of transparency in the case of social media to to the world. On the other hand, they have they seem to have almost a fundamental effect on the brain, a kind of rewiring of the brain and, 
and I, I know many people argue that the brain is indeed very plastic and is indeed rewired by these kind of things. Do you do you worry at all about this technology? Because it sounds incredibly powerful. It sounds like it it could almost change us a little bit as human beings. Is is that something that kind of something we should be at all concerned about? Yeah, we should. No, and and I'm very much interested in these implications as well. So it's it's not my own my field, not my field of expertise, but certainly I'd also be very much interested to to talk with people in, in psychology or neuroscience about exactly such such things. And I do. So I also have uh, good connections to to both the school of psychology and, and neuroscience, and, and talk about the use of VR technologies in general um, for the good for uh, therapy and psychology, but also what could be the dangers and the implications of that. No? And uh, certainly, you can think of um, dystopian fantasies like The Matrix, right? So, mm, which is mm. an immersive world which is used to to enslave mankind. Uh, so. Certainly, such things can also be sort of. And, uh, and uh, I, I totally agree that we should uh, very carefully uh, investigate all such, uh, such implications that uh, new technology might have. And uh, I agree that maybe in the past uh, this didn't happen to the extent uh, as it should, should have happened for social media and things like that, where we are basically running after and fixing uh, fixing the things after they happened, mm. but I'm open as a researcher to also uh, investigate any of such aspects. How how close are we to this? It's it's always difficult for the layman. You know, you, you, you've you've painted a, a really fascinating picture of of what what could happen. But but are we talking ten years away, twenty, thirty years away that that this might become? Uh, a widespread way of telling stories? I mean, uh, it, it's happening now, right? So mm. our prototypes are the first ones and they are, they are not yet, but it's still in its embryonic phase. So they are not, they still have their limitations. And, uh, but uh, it's, it's, the process has started and it will continue and accelerate and expand in, in various directions. Um, so our and you can also see our our thing about the, the the volumetric video, the holograms, which try to get the real world into the VR and and the AR experiences, right? By capturing real people and and real performances. But the the purely virtual worlds, they are out there and, and they are going to be used more and more. And there are more and more um, internet. Uh, uh, tools becoming available where people can meet in virtual environments, virtual interactive environments, VR environments. And uh, first conferences are being held in uh, VR environments where people put on a headset and then via a representation of some avatar, they are entering a three-dimensional space where they are interacting with each other. So it's already there. And uh, especially with the current uh, uh, boost on any type of remote collaboration tools, uh, um, this is—I I see this becoming very, very relevant. Now. What's always very interesting with this kind of cutting-edge research um, is who in the non-academic world is is interested in the uh, in the outcomes, and and I wonder who who is kind of presumably you have quite a lot of people approaching you. Maybe from from industry, maybe from government, maybe from the intelligence services. Maybe I, I don't know who. I, 
and certainly from entertainment companies, I would imagine. But who is making touch with you uh, and, and asking you about this technology? Who's particularly fascinated by it? Yeah, so on, on one hand, it's uh, technology companies. So if you ask for, for uh, who are interested in, uh, in the technology itself and uh, uh, contributing to uh, because it's their business and then they, they want to use that. Uh, on the other hand, it's uh, creative people who are uh, recognizing that there is a new type of medium that they are fascinated about and, and want to, uh, to explore. But it is also yeah, government agencies as well, so uh, who, who see like applications of this in uh, promoting Irish culture around the world, uh, for instance. Mm. It is also uh, medical uh, institutions who are seeing uh, um, uh, 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 potential for, for therapy, but also for education. So... Um, we also have a, a startup company called Volograms, who is basically commercializing the, the technology now. And, and they have frequent uh, collaborations with customers really from around the world that are interested in generating such content for, for different applications. And uh, one of them is, is RCSI, the, the Royal College of Surgeons, uh, and, and others. So it, it's really a widespread um, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. There are lots of lots of applications. Let's just turn to that how briefly because I, I have a feeling that uh, I'm not going to understand it. But um, <laughs> in a nutshell, um, <laughs> if such a thing is possible, how do you how do you make these images? Yeah. I mean, so uh, basically, we put the performer into a uh, into a studio space, typically, which. Uh, so there's green screen uh, around it, but that's all not so uh, so important. So the important thing is that we capture the performance with multiple cameras in a kind of dome type setting. So we surround the uh, the performer with cameras, and uh, these cameras simultaneously capture the performance from many different viewpoints. And then we put all of that into our algorithms, into our technology, which is then able to create a three-dimensional model out of it. Now, so this is then, in the end, a three-dimensional model, as you know it, from computer graphics, from computer games, from uh, visual uh, post-production. But just, it is reconstructed from the real world. Now, so, mm. and, and then it can be visualized as, as a three-dimensional asset, like any other uh, synthetic content uh, that you know. So the clue is really the multi-view capture and then the process of turning these multiple video signals, technically speaking, into a three-dimensional model. And then you must need a, a really good projector of some kind to, to kind of make the image appear again, mustn't you? You know, to translate it from an algorithm in a computer to to something shimmering in front of you. Or, or, yeah. what, what's the difficult bit? What's What was the, the, the tricky thing? I mean, the, the visualization is can be basically on any any display if you want. So anywhere where you see computer graphics, you can also watch this content. But in particular, but it becomes interesting on uh, VR headsets or AR headsets where you can have uh, lifelike representations of something that you captured and being basically via a headset immersed into that. No? So the the quality, so the the display that you mentioned is the 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 VR headset that that you are seeing and meeting this other person that you just captured. But the difficulty is in the algorithms 
in how you take multiple views and generate the three-dimensional model. And this is what I'm basically uh, doing since 20 years and uh, where the core intellectual property also of, of, of our company lies. Yeah. So it's it's in the in the algorithm is the the, the difficult bit. It's the programming and the yes. yeah. Will we ever get to the stage where a politician might give a speech and the people watching the speech will 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 believe that's the person, but it's not uh, that the technology will be so good that you, you will think that the person in front of you is real when they're not. Well, I, I think you can you can do that today. So it, it's a matter. Like in, in many things, uh, it, it's a matter of how much effort you put into manual post-production. Uh, so, and uh, today, if you use enough cameras and if you use an infinite amount of post-production hours, you can make a model like this, which is uh, as believable as anything that you see on a, on a cinema screen, where a lot of the characters that you see there are not real. And uh, so you could do something like that. No? So if you look at our example of the provost, it's not there, no? but that's uh, because we didn't spend all that effort in, into the production. But it is still something which is very expensive and not easily doable. So it's is still quite far away yet from, from the dangers that maybe uh, image or video faking uh, has today. No? But I suppose I'm thinking, say, the, the leader of North Korea not so long ago disappeared from sight for a few weeks and there was spe speculation that he might be in hospital and have a heart attack or something. But conceivably, he could have pre-recorded a, a hologram and a, an image could pop up and he could say, I'm fine, everything's good, and yet he could be lying in hospital. That that, that kind of sci-fi yeah. scenario is, 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 is quite possible, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and for instance, in if, if you look at our example of Jonathan Swift, so that was exactly the idea. So we we recreated a historic figure, right? So we mm. we took an actor, we dressed him up as uh, Jonathan Swift, uh, as he might have looked in back in in his days, and we made him act, uh, saying something about himself being Jonathan Swift, and uh, you will meet him inside of the Trinity Library being immersed into the environment of, of the days. And uh, so that is an example of recreating something that has uh, existed and, and is not there anymore. And we have a lot of ideas of people have been coming to us with, uh, could we do this, could we do that, that goes into that direction, yes. Tell me, a lot of people listening to this, I would imagine would think to themselves, gosh, this is a really, really interesting and, and, and cool area to, to, to be involved in and, and also probably an area with a lot of, you know, with a big future. What was your own path? How did you, how did you come into this area? You, you, were, you mentioned in passing you've been writing logarithms for 20 years. I mean, what, what did you study, for instance? Yeah, I, I studied uh, electrical engineering uh, okay. back, back in Berlin uh, more than 20 years ago. And uh, I was already uh, in my in my master's research looking at similar things, so computer vision. Uh, I was always looking on computation, on visual information, so computation. And why do you think you were interested in that? What was what what was the you know the kind of thing that made you go down this this route? Because electrical engineering can bring you in many many different directions. Yeah. Initially, I was interested in, in audio, in, uh, okay. in music specifically, because I was also a 
musician and uh, I thought like if I uh, don't become a rock star, I will become uh, uh, an audio engineer. A virtual one. Yeah. And uh, so I continue mm. with audio engineering and that's uh, basically signal processing and uh, uh, an image is not so different from an audio signal. It's just two dimensional. So the the mathematical principles are very similar. And then from audio, I evolved to, to video. To visual information and then at some point I saw uh, research about three-dimensional imaging and that was maybe really 1999 so really 20 years ago and I got fascinated by that and in my PhD I already looked at these things of the combination between or on the borderline between two-dimensional images and three-dimensional uh, representation yeah mm. And then, so you did a PhD in, in this area, um, and and then what happened? I mean, ha, where did you go from there? Yeah, and then that was maybe in the early 2000s, um, after finishing my PhD, I, I started at the Research Institute, the Fraunhofer Research Institute. It's in one of the Berlin. great German research institutes. Yeah. That, that, that are dotted around the country. Yeah. So you started in the Fraunhofer. So you were doing pure research into this into this area. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, I was lucky to to be to be free to do this this type of research that I was interested in. So everything around 3D computer vision, 3D computer graphics, and uh, started with similar things like uh, like the the holograms that we do today already almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So this was kind of. Um, What's called curiosity-driven research. You were you were basically given you were fortunate enough to be given the carte blanche to, to kind of pursue your your curiosity, and you 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 came up with this. Is that is that right? What what do you think are the the skill sets needed to to do? I mean, if somebody said to themselves, "I want to do uh, what Professor Smolik has done," what 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 do they need to to be good at? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was not that free because still uh, we had to get some funding. So we had to write funding proposals and, and get the money from, from somewhere. But uh, luckily we could convince uh, the funding authorities to finance uh, this type of, a, of a research back then. But I think uh, uh, in particular also what, uh, what is in my team. So I, I run a lab with like 20 researchers uh, at, at, at Trinity. Uh, there has to be, or what helps is kind of an affinity for for both sides, so for the creative side, but also uh, with a strong and main focus on on technology. So uh, many of of the people in my team have some sort of a affinity to 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 the creative world, but uh, have have the skill set of a, of computer scientists. So uh, programming and uh, uh, a lot of the the mathematical uh, background is, is necessary to do exactly that no? but uh, if the broader area of, of VR and AR is interesting there's also ways to get into this more from the design side of you or more from the storytelling or, or the content creation side where you don't develop and program programming and develop the technology but rather develop the storytelling and develop uh, the use cases or uh, user studies that we also do a lot. Uh, so human HCI and psychology, no, that, that's also um, streams where you can get into what we are doing. And we are collaborating with a lot of different people um, as well. No? So it, it's highly multidisciplinary. Yeah. Mm. 
but I suppose um, uh, if this isn't too too grand comparison, I, I, I'm thinking of Shakespeare here. Shakespeare, you know, became a, a successful playwright, to put it mildly, partly because he was also a shareholder in the Globe Theatre. He understood the mechanics of making a play, the, the the finances of making a play, you know, and, and everything else. And and I, I'm guessing that the the storytellers of the future here are going to have to have the same kind of unusual set of skills. That to, to be a really excellent storyteller here, you're probably going to have to understand the limitations and the potential of the medium. Um, and so it might yes. well be that you need... You need to be pretty good at maths, say, or engineering, or as well as creative. Is it is it really important to keep those two two sides in the one person? Do you think, or do you think it can be shared out within a team? No, exactly as you say, right? So, the the people that are working with us on the creative experiments, they have to be tech savvy, right? And they have to be curious and. Uh, uh, in, uh, in very much interested in exploring the new technology, because uh, also in in our first productions uh, where we were still developing the technology, the the creatives had to. It was a co a co evolution of the two things, right? So the the creatives may come up with ideas where from the technology side we would say, well, but this wouldn't work like this. So you have to change your your concept like this and that. So it's very much like um, we have to have uh, creatively interested uh, scientists and uh, technology interested creatives to do that uh, because because it's it's really still um, in its early stages and uh, um, there has to be a close interaction between us and the creatives and uh, both sides have to have to be savvy enough in in the in the field of the other yeah. Well, thank you very much for that really interesting and, and 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 slightly daunting kind of look into the into the future of storytelling and and where we might go. And it's it's uh, I can really remember well as a as a young child seeing Star Wars for the first time and 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 being really excited by that image of Princess Leia looking for for help from Obi Wan Kenobi. And it's it's extraordinary to think that we're now at a stage forty years later where. Where that is, uh, that is a reality, and uh, and that it's going to become more and more part of our lives in in the years ahead. And what what, what a good time to talk about it during lockdown when we're all uh, craving experiences. I, I, I imagine in a few years' time, if there's another lockdown, people may travel to to other places. So thank you very much for for sharing that with us, and, and good luck with your research in in future. No, absolutely a pleasure for my side. Anytime. Thank you.